The injury bug has returned, the Yes Movement is dead, and why isn't Boss Ross doing this intro? We discuss it all next because the Double Turn Podcast is starting right now. What is going on, everybody? The J-Man coming at you live and in person. Not really in person, but live nonetheless. Double Turn Podcast, live on Spotify, SoundCloud, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Breaker, Stitcher, just a lot of places that aren't iTunes and Google Podcasts, of course. But we are here, and we are here to discuss everything that has gone on this week on WWE programming. Uh, J-Man is coming at you solo this afternoon. Um, my brother Ross is out and about uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday. He is with this family, so I wish him a very, very happy Thanksgiving. I wish everybody that's listening a very happy Thanksgiving. We've got a couple of things to get into. It's been kind of a slow week in WWE programming after uh, the TakeOver special and Survivor Series. Uh, as tip, WWE typically likes to do, they like to kind of slow it down and kind of ease back during the holidays. And they kind of give us eh type of matches and eh type of segments. We've had a couple of things that have been quite, quite important, of course, and we'll go ahead and get into those momentarily. But uh, just giving you the heads up, it's just kind of been a little bit of a slow couple days, and that's to be expected. I'm sure that once we get back into next week, next Monday night, next Tuesday night, everything will be a little bit more into full force, given the fact that we have the Tables, Ladders, and Chairs pay-per-view TLC um, coming up on December the 16th. Um, so I'm sure that we'll go ahead and kind of get back into the good flow of things to end the year hopefully on a high note for wwe but uh to get started um as i mentioned here in the intro i stated that the injury bug has unfortunately made its return and that is exactly what the case is uh as you guys may have seen on monday night braun Strowman um was injured uh kayfabe from what i believe um by baron corbin drew mcintyre and bobby lashley in their six-man tag team elimination match on monday night to start the show um and let's get started right there with our three count um as you guys know our three counts is where we discuss the most important things that will have happened on uh monday night raw or tuesday night smackdown live or you know sometimes even 205 live and nxt um and we'll start right there braun Strowman. uh was the last person left on his team after a promo that was cut uh, by Stephanie McMahon and Baron Corbin to start the show. Boss Ross went ahead and called it right. We thought that we were going to get a good 15 to 20 minute promo from Stephanie McMahon relishing in the fact that Raw beat, or I shouldn't say Raw beat, Raw swept SmackDown at Survivor Series. We went into detail about that on Sunday, of course, but for those who can't remember, um, Raw beat SmackDown six to nothing, technically six to one if you include the tag team elimination match that took part on the pre-show. But apparently WWE programming says no, that doesn't count. And I don't know why, but hey, I'm not WWE. I'm just a guy who likes talking about it. Um as I was saying, in the middle of that promo, um Stephanie McMahon and Baron Corbin were relishing in the fact that Monday Night Raw swept SmackDown and Braun Strowman made his presence felt and he came out into LA on Monday night and um, talked to Stephanie, asked her, hey, so what's going on? Why? When am I getting my match with Corbin and when am I getting my match with Lesnar? If you go back a couple of weeks ago, Stephanie McMahon promised him that if he were to win 
uh, if Raw were to win the five-on-five elimination match at Survivor Series, that not only would Strowman get Corbin, but Strowman would also get uh, Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. So Stephanie McMahon made the announcement that Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman would get their match at TLC um, in just a few weeks' time, and Braun Strowman was able to declare his stipulation for said match. They will be having a TLC match. Now, this will be one of those TLC matches that we have seen in the past few years where it's actually going to be by pinfall or submission. It's not going to be the actual ladder match in itself because there's no title or briefcase being held above. So we'll still get the craziness of it all, but it's going to be pinfall only, not going up the ladder, of course. Um, And... Stephanie McMahon did make one slight change to Braun's stipulations. Um, We were under the impression that not only would Strowman get Corbin, but he'd also get Lesnar. But apparently it's now going to be if Strowman beats Corbin, then he gets Lesnar at the Rumble for the Universal title. However, another little wrench was thrown in. If Corbin beats Strowman, Corbin becomes permanent general manager of Monday Night Raw. Whoa. That's big news. That is big news indeed. Um, So we'll see how that plays out. Um, After that promo, uh, Braun Strowman was told by Baron Corbin that he would supposedly be involved in a handicap match with McIntyre and Lashley. And Stephanie McMahon one-upped him yet again because she's the queen of one-upping the guys on the roster, of course. I'm sure Ross will appreciate that reference. Um, And made it a six-man match elimination match six-man tag team elimination match so it was uh McIntyre and Lashley and Corbin versus the team of Braun Strowman Elias and Finn Balor my my guy the demon Finn Balor um apparently not apparently I watched the show and anybody else who watches WWE programming watch the same thing but this took up one the first full hour of Monday Night Raw first full hour incredible like that's a long time to give one storyline i mean granted do i commend them for giving that they're all for what for one of their main storylines absolutely um but that's a long time to go ahead and give one segment but hey it's all good if it's important to them that means it's going to be important to us braun Strowman is one of the most over things in wwe right now and they need to treat him as such and it's nice to see uh balor and elias get massive exposure in particular elias because they just turned a baby face a few weeks back and so Hopefully, this exposure continues uh, for him. However, continuing on with this particular segment, Elias got eliminated, Balor got eliminated, and let's get the the fact where Strowman got injured because the injury bug has returned. That means, yeah, Braun Strowman did get injured on Monday night. Uh, He was... um, his, his right elbow was shattered per WWE by Corbin, McIntyre, and Lashley on Monday night. At Towards the end of the match, they took a chair and smashed his elbow upon one of the steel steps. Now, I have read upon the reports as to what happened. Apparently, Braun Strowman was due to get surgery regardless on his elbow. He has bone spurs again. If you remember back in 2017, um, Strowman had this exact same situation in the exact same elbow. I believe it's his right elbow. And um, he had to be out. He was supposed to be out for six months back last year, but it came back in two and he came back to destroy Roman Reigns and their rivalry picked back up again, of course. Um, As of right now, he is slated to be out for about three to four weeks, according to WWE. Um, However, TLC is in three to four weeks. And apparently... Strowman versus Corbin at TLC is in jeopardy. 
um, due to the fact that we don't know how long it'll actually take for Strowman to go ahead and uh, heal up after this surgery. So that is to be seen. So of course, the injury bug has made its return. We not only have Strowman out, if you take a look, Alexa Bliss has not wrestled since September uh, due to some concussions, um, which is crazy to think of um, that she hasn't wrestled in two months. Um, a couple of other people have been injured. Uh, I can't think of anything, anybody else off the top of my head. Um, Roman Reigns obviously is out with leukemia right now indefinitely, so that has been a huge, massive loss to Monday Night Raw and WWE as a whole. Um, so it is unfortunate that a few of these wrestlers, um, high-profile names, are currently injured. Uh, Kevin Owens is another person who is injured right now. He's going to be gone till at least WrestleMania, from what we understand from those reports. Sami Zayn has been out uh, with a shoulder since um, the summertime, and so he's not expected until at least WrestleMania. So you've got big names that are not only WWE-related but Monday Night Raw-related um, that are out, and it just it, it sucks. You know, this happened back in. Uh, 2015 2016 we saw Rollins be out with injury we saw John Cena be out with injury we saw Randy Orton be out with injury and this made the Wrestlemania card be a little bit less stellar than what we're normally used to um so that was just incredibly frustrating to see and I hope that that doesn't come to fruition again this year I hope that you know Strowman can come back relatively quick I hope that we can get Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn back before Wrestlemania and of course I'm hoping that we see uh Alexa Bliss uh, back into uh, wrestling somewhat soon. And then, of course, you know, Roman Reigns is a little bit of a different story. You know, his battle with leukemia right now is a little bit up in the air. So he's not going to be back for quite, quite a while. I don't know if he'll ever be back, but we discussed the whole Roman Reigns situation at length a few weeks back. So here I am wishing him and his family the best that he can recover very quickly and that he can beat this disease. But Yes, as of right now, Braun Strowman is out for three to four weeks with his elbow injury, and we'll see how his DLC match plays out with Baron Corbin. Next thing I want to get to on our three count is uh, we had a wonderful, and I mean wonderful, promo cut by the man only known as Daniel Bryan, the Yes Man. However, he will no longer be known as the Yes Man. He cut a great promo on Tuesday night talking about fight for your dreams and your dreams will fight for you. That is Daniel Bryan's new mantra and he has declared the Yes Movement dead. He does, he will, You will not see Daniel Bryan chanting Yes anymore. We already saw this when he made his introduction, I'm sorry, when he made his entrance on Sunday night at Survivor Series for his match against Brock Lesnar in their champion versus champion match. Usually Daniel Bryan comes out to Flight of the Valkyries and he starts doing his Yes chant. Well, he did two Yes chants and then lowered his fingers and then stopped doing it um, and looked at the crowd and was... Giving, giving them this very sinister look. Um, when he came out on Tuesday night, uh, he cut a great promo talking in third person um, where he was talking about the fact that he was, uh, over the last two and a half to three years when he was recovering from his concussions and he had to retire, um, he had to spend three hours a day in a hyperbaric, t um, hyperbaric chamber um, for his healing process to be able to speed up so he could make his return back to the ring. And all he could tell us all he could tell himself i'm sorry was if you fight for your dreams your dreams will fight for you and one other interesting tidbit to take away from his promo on tuesday night was the fact that he stated the fans were starting to chant yes 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 less and less every tuesday night uh for him so all he could talk about was they were chanting yes less and that they were chanting aj styles 
more. And so that kind of drove him onto the edge. And when he finally reached the boiling point was last week in his match with AJ Styles for the WWE title, his dreams caused him to kick AJ Styles in the balls. And that's what he decided to do. And that's what got him the WWE title. Um, it's great to see heel Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is one of the best characters in all of WWE. He's always been a great face, but this will be very, very different. He is not the same man that he was back in 2012 and 2013. This is not funny heel Daniel Bryan. This is intense heel Daniel Bryan, the guy that not a lot of people on the roster can beat. You know, he is one of the best technical wrestlers we have ever seen. And so for him to be at the top of the mountain yet again, um, first of all, he's earned it because all of 2018, um, he has just been on point ever since he came back from injury. And uh, it's great to see him back at the top of the mountain. I love AJ Styles. I think I've made that very, very well known on our podcast. Um, but it was reaching a point where, you know, he'd been champion for a year and it was trying to, it was time to freshen up the main event scene on SmackDown. Uh, it's the same thing that we've been saying on Monday Night Raw. We don't need Brock Lesnar champion. Now that's a whole entirely different story. AJ Styles is a guy who shows up every, every night and performs for, um, the WWE universe. Whereas Brock Lesnar just shows up every two months, defends the title for five minutes, squashes Baron, uh, Braun Strowman and then moves on with his life and then wants to fight Daniel Cormier even though he has to defend his universal title. Okay. Anywho, it's nice to see that AJ Styles was able to defend the WWE title and elevate its uh, meaning. However, it'll be really, really great to see Daniel Bryan back at it again. You know, we've never really seen a great Daniel Bryan title reign. Let me just mention that when he first won the World Heavyweight Championship back in 2011 into 2012, his title reign his title reign was kind of eh. If you look at it, he cashed in on Big Show after their mat after Big Show's match with um, Mark Henry back in December uh, of 2011. I want to say it was uh, I think it was a chairs match that they were having chairs match at TLC in 2011, and Daniel Bryan cemented his heel turn. He turned on Big Show after. Um, Big Show had just beaten Mark Henry for the World Heavyweight Championship. Mark Henry started to beat the crap out of Big Show. And then Daniel Bryan came in, hit him with the briefcase, and pinned him one, two, three in the middle of the ring and won the World Heavyweight Championship. His then reign consisted of a title defense inside of the Elimination Chamber where he eliminated Santino Morella last in um, very interesting fashion. And I say that because Santino Morella was incredibly over that night. I don't know why. I mean, I love Santino Marella, don't get me wrong, but the the crowd reaction that he was receiving that night was unreal. Uh, but Daniel Bryan made him tap out to the LaBelle lock, now the yes lock, of course. Um, and then his uh, match against Sheamus at WrestleMania 28, we all know how that ended. It was, uh, you know, 20 seconds long, you know. Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan kissed AJ Lee for luck and then turned around and took a, uh, a road kick from Sheamus and his title reign was over. Now, granted, they have a they had a great two out of three falls match the next month at Extreme Rules, which was out of the three main events, arguably the best match. Now, granted, you had Chris Jericho versus CM Punk in a street fight for the WWE title. And then you had Brock Lesnar versus John Cena in an extreme rules match. But you can make the case that either three of those matches stole the show in Chicago that night. But again, 
Daniel Bryan was no longer champion, and when he lost to Sheamus, he basically fell out of the main event until the next year, into 2013. And then, you know, we get into Daniel Bryan's next title reign, where he beat John Cena, and it lasted two minutes because he got cashed in on by Randy Orton, and then he didn't win the, ta- the title. I'm sorry, he did win the title again the next month, but again, he got stripped of it from it the very next night, so that's two reigns that lasted less than a day. And then finally, he beat Randy Orton and Batista at WrestleMania 30 in that incredible 30, uh, almost 30-minute triple threat match that main event at WrestleMania 30. And of course, he had his wonderful match against Triple H the, uh, like two hours before to open the show. But um, that reign only lasted two months because he only defended his title once. He never read. He never defended it again against Randy Orton or Batista. He only defended it against Kane in an Extreme Rules match. Um, at, at extreme rules of course and then that's when he got injured and he didn't defend it at all and then was forced to relinquish the title so here we are back in now in november 2018 it has been four years since daniel bryan has been world champion and again daniel bryan has never had a meaningful reign so it'll be really really interesting to see that if he can do something with the wwe championship and actually hold it for a long period of time and you know what let me tell you something guys Having a long reign does not automatically equal a good reign. Okay? I'll put it to you this way. Brock Lesnar had a year and a half long reign with the Universal title before he just won it back at Crown Jewel. A year and a half title reign. Was that a good title reign? Hell no, it was not. That was a terrible title reign. We only saw a handful of good matches. And when I mean a handful of good matches, I can't even count it on five fingers. His title match against Goldberg at at WrestleMania was great. It was a six-minute match, but it was great. It was a high-impact, hard-hitting, and it was awesome. That was one match that was good. You can make the case, possibly, his match with Samoa Joe was good at Great Balls of Fire last year. Possibly. There are some people that will say it was a good match. There are some people that are going to say it was garbage because it only lasted for five minutes. If you really look at it, the match was kind of almost 10 minutes because a lot of the action took place before the bell rung. Um, But the problem was that, of course, once it got going, all it took was one F5 from Lesnar to Samoa Joe to beat him, and that was it. One great match from Brock's title reign was the amazing fatal four-way that we saw at last year's SummerSlam in 2017, which consisted of Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Strowman, and Samoa Joe. That match was awesome. It was basically Braun Strowman's coming out party, even though he had had great matches all year long in 2017 with Roman, but it was really Braun Strowman's coming out party as we saw Braun Strowman not put Lesnar through one announced demo, but two, um, and that was amazing. So that was one great, another great match. And then, of course, his match against AJ Styles at Survivor Series. We all know that was an absolute classic. But again, that wasn't a title match. That was just a champion versus champion exhibition at last year's Survivor Series. Um, Very similar to the Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar match we just saw last week. Um, And to be honest with you, that's it. I can't think of any other good matches. I mean... I consider the Roman Reigns match at SummerSlam good, but that's only because of the result, not because it was an actual good wrestling match. Was it okay? Yeah, but none of their matches have been anywhere near close to as good as their original match at WrestleMania 31 and close to the triple threat that they had at um, at uh, Fastlane involving Dean Ambrose. Um, 
for whatever reason, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar have just not been able to recapture that um, chemistry that they had back at WrestleMania 31, and it has just been really, really tough to see. So anyways, what I'm trying to get to is the fact just because you have a long title reign does not mean that it's a good title reign. AJ Styles had a great title reign, um, even and it was a year long, and his first title reign um, from 16 into 17 was really, really good too, even though that was much shorter than the one that he just went through. So here's to Daniel Bryan being able to have a great title reign um, and actually have it be meaningful to not only his legacy, but to the WWE title itself. Um, anyways, Daniel Bryan's promo on Tuesday night was very, very good and very exciting to see a heel Daniel Bryan. We'll see how this comes to fruition going forward. Last thing on the three count to get into, um, we had another match announced uh, for TLC, by the way, really quickly, just going right back to Daniel Bryan on Tuesday night, um, on SmackDown is what it was made official. We will get the rematch of Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles at TLC stipulation is not known yet. We'll have to go ahead and wait and see for that. The TLC stipulation has already been taken up by Strowman and Corbin. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they give Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, but we are going to get AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE title at TLC. And, um, Last thing on the three count, um, the third match that has been announced for TLC, and that is Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, now, this match has been at least one month in the making. Let's be honest here. This is this match has been one year in the making. Ever since the Shield came back together back in late 2017 last year, we knew it was just a matter of time that Dean Ambrose was going to turn heel on either Rollins or Reigns, um, and he, you know, as we saw last and uh, last month, he turned heel on Seth Rollins. Uh, he dropped him with Dirty Deeds after him and Rollins beat McIntyre and Ziggler for the WWE tag. I shouldn't say the. I'm sorry, not the WWE tag team titles, the Raw tag team titles. Um, in that great main event match that they had the night that Roman Reigns announced that he was relinquishing the Universal Title and that he had leukemia. Um, and then Rollins has been waiting to get his hands on Ambrose ever since. Um, Rollins, uh, I'm sorry, Ambrose has been evading Rollins this entire time. And uh, I think he got to Rollins. I think Ambrose, Rollins got to him once and has basically not gotten a job done the two times that he has been encountering, including this last Monday um, when they had the air interaction in together um if you watch monday night raw you saw seth rollins talk about um just a couple of different things involving dean ambrose one of them being um when dean ambrose was out with his injury uh ambrose wasn't taking any rollins of rollins calls so he was able to learn more about him as he watched his wwe chronicle special that aired after war games on saturday night which if you guys take a look on instagram the person who actually filmed and edited all of that, which I found very, very cool and very interesting, was Dean Ambrose's wife herself, Renee Young. Renee Young from the Raw Announce team. She was the one that filmed everything, and it gave us a really great, interesting, behind-the-look, I'm sorry, behind-the-scenes look of what Daniel, um, uh, oh my gosh, a very interesting behind-the-scenes look of what Dean Ambrose has been going through the past 10 months finally got that out so sorry about that audience um it's thanksgiving and i'm hungry and i want turkey and i'm kind of you know my stomach is kind of taking over this podcast so i sincerely apologize um but it was very interesting to see dean ambrose 
and that behind the scenes look. And Seth Rollins was talking about that, saying that he learned more about Ambrose watching that than he has in his entire 10 year friendship. Um, apparently Ambrose says that he loves WWE and that that was the first time Seth Rollins had heard Dean Ambrose says that he loves something. Um, I don't know if he hasn't heard Dean Ambrose say that he loves Renee Young, even though they're married. So that's kind of interesting, but that's nor here nor there. Um, but it was great to see the fire come out of Rollins. It's great to see how this rivalry and this pro this, 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 this feud has kind of differentiated from Rollins and Ambrose back in 2014 to 2016. Um, we haven't seen when we saw Rollins uh, turn heel on the Shield. He did it for different reasons. If you watch Ambrose's promo on Monday night, he talked about karma and what goes around comes around and he took a really interesting shot at roman reigns saying that roman is paying for his sins to the man upstairs with his leukemia and now rollins has to pay for his sins to dean ambrose for all the things that they have committed when they ran roughshod as the shield for so many years that was a i gotta say this really quickly and this has been thrown out over social media and a lot of different reviewers of wwe have mentioned the same thing and i'm gonna hop on board with this and i don't know if you all will agree with me i think if boss ross were here with me right now i think he'd agree with me in saying don't bring don't bring roman reigns into this I, I get that all three of them will always be intertwined for the remainder of their careers. However, what Roman Reigns is going through right now is something that's unfathomable, something that is that something that nobody would want to go through. And the fact that they continuously continuously bring us into storyline is just it's just not okay. It's not okay to me. Um I don't think a lot of the fans have been necessarily liking it. So if WWE, if you ever listen to our podcast, if you could please just move on from the Roman Reigns aspect at this moment, just because it's just too real. It's just too real. There is a man's livelihood at stake on this one. And if we could just please move on and just keep it to Rollins versus Ambrose, I think a lot of us would be able to enjoy this rivalry a whole heck of a lot more. That's not to say that you, I mean, because yes, did Dean Ambrose turn heel on both Rollins and technically reigns. Yes. Yes, he did because he's the one that broke up the shield the second time. However, because of the aspect of the real life thing that is going on with Roman reigns, if we could just take out him and the leukemia thing out of this and just not talk about it within storyline, it would be greatly appreciated. And I think that that promo that Ambrose cut on Monday night was just you know, the the crowd didn't react to it the way that many people expected them to because, again, it was just too real. I reacted to it in a way that I was just like, that's that's tasteless. It's tasteless to Roman, and I'm sure that Ambrose and Rollins didn't necessarily want to go about it that way. So I don't know if that's on Ambrose. I don't know if it's on WWE Creative, but whoever it was, don't do that again. Just don't do it. If we could just move on from Reigns, um, in this storyline, that would be greatly appreciated. Anyways, getting back into Rollins versus Ambrose, it's been, a, I'm going to use Ross's word, a very interesting dichotomy between the two, just how this rivalry has progressed compared to how their rivalry was back at the beginning of, in 2014, when the Shield broke up the first time. It was Rollins wanting gold, Rollins wanting to steal the spotlight. He wanted to be bigger and better than the two of them. This is Ambrose saying, 
you know what this is you paying for what you did for us what you did to us back then so this is karma to rollins um and it'll be really interesting to see how this feud plays out there's a lot more um interesting components involved in this storyline than there were back in the day not saying that there wasn't any back when they first did this rivalry but again the huge difference that we're seeing here is a face seth rollins versus a heel dean ambrose but again the reasons as to why ambrose turned on seth rollins and it's just going to make really really interesting television one thing that i want to talk about in regards to this feud is the time that they're doing it now i just alluded it to it um during this podcast uh, at the beginning of it that november december is a notoriously slow time for wwe the holidays are coming around you know it's thanksgiving today as i'm recording this podcast um we we just saw on tuesday night smackdown that wwe had a thanksgiving feast match between the new day and the bar with big show um, and they always do this whole, oh, the baby faces are going to win when we're going to make the heels look absolutely stupid. We see, we see this during Halloween. We see this during Christmas. Um, we see this during the 4th of July and Memorial Day where it's very patriotic and whatnot. Listen, I'm all about the holidays. I'm all about the good guys winning and stuff like that. I get it. However, if we could just not do this anymore because it makes the heels look that's stupid. We are seeing an incredibly physical team in the bar getting embarrassed by the New Day, even though the New Day have already lost them on multiple occasions. And the New Day shouldn't even be involved at the bar anymore. Like the bar needs to move on from them. They are the champs. They need a new team to come challenge them, aka the Usos um, and whatnot. But it's just it, it frustrates me and infuriates me to see. Cesaro and Sheamus and Big Show, who are a major heel team, just get completely embarrassed um, for the sake of laughter. You know, um, we've come to the conclusion that wins and losses don't matter to the, excuse me, wins and losses don't matter to WWE. But what should matter is how you treat one of your big heel groups. Like these are supposed to be intimidating guys. These are supposed to be very smart guys. And the fact that they're just getting embarrassed by getting turkey thrown all over them and going through pies and, and all that crap is just stupid to me. A few years ago, we saw a match between Dean Ambrose and Cesaro in a Halloween trick or treat street fighter trick or street fight. If I'm not mistaken is how it's called. And it consisted of Dean Ambrose putting a pumpkin over Cesaro's head and then dropping him with dirty deeds through the pumpkin. And it made Cesaro look like a complete total dumbass. And I hate that. I do not like a WWE. And if we could stop doing that, stop doing that during the holidays and just put a little bit more emphasis into good content, maybe your ratings wouldn't go down as low as they sometimes like to do so. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there. But anyways, um, it's really interesting to see WWE give us Rollins versus Ambrose here in the slow months. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if this feud goes all the way to WrestleMania. I'm going to assume it does because their first match is happening here in December and we'll have the Rumble and then whatever happens in February, which I'm going to assume is the Elimination Chamber. Um, and they we'll see if they have their big blow-off match at uh, WrestleMania and whatnot, but it's nice to see that at least there will be one big feud being carried in through this holiday slow season, and it'll be Rollins versus Ambrose. However, I hope that WWE gets it right at TLC. 
And what I mean by that is not necessarily with the Rollins and Ambrose, whoever wins that match, but I hope they realize that Rollins versus Ambrose is for the IC title and it should not main event TLC. Let me repeat this again. Rollins versus Ambrose for the IC title should not main event TLC. Yes, I understand that this is a huge program that WWE is putting all of its chips into, um, especially considering the fact that Braun Strowman, um, well, his rivalry with Baron Corbin is not the biggest and greatest thing ever. First of all, second of all, Braun Strowman is injured, so we'll wait and see as to whether or not he's at TLC. But what should main event TLC is the WWE Championship match between Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. That is what should main event TLC, not the IC title. Back in June, or I'm sorry, July, we saw the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, and the Universal title was not defended on that show, and the WWE title did not main event. What main evented was the IC title match between Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler, that 30-minute Iron Man match, which was good, yes, but it wasn't as good as it should have been, first of all. Second of all, Rusev versus AJ Styles was amazing, and that had every right of main eventing. However, let me get back to that. It's the WWE Championship. It's the main title on your in your company, and it has not been defended the way that it should be defended for a very long time. And it's incredibly frustrating to see. And you finally have another show where the Universal title will not be defended again because, you know, good old Brocky Poo uh, is not going to be on that show. So this is going to be another, it's a perfect reason as to why you should have the WWE title main event your program. Backlash this year was a stupid and terrible show because you chose to have Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe be your main event over AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. So please, WWE, get it right. And even though Rollins and Ambrose is going to be great, and listen, they have the opportunity to main event down the line, especially considering the fact that if their feud goes through WrestleMania, I have a feeling that that feud is going to involve that big red belt, um, especially considering the fact that I think they'll, they'll take it off of Brock Lesnar soon and maybe put the Universal Championship in between the rivalry of Ambrose and Rollins. We'll wait and see on that, of course. But just please give the importance back to the WWE Championship, especially considering you have one of the biggest WWE wrestlers, not in size, just as a whole, holding your title. And not to mention you have the man that I personally think is the best wrestler on the planet as your number one contender. That match deserves to, to main event TLC. We'll see what happens. So anyways, with that little tangent done, um, hopefully Rollins and Ambrose doesn't disappoint. It, I guarantee you that it'll really make this feel important, these shows important over the next month and a half as we get through this holiday season um, because it's Rollins and Ambrose. They they know what they're doing. Their rivalry, is ep- their rivalry was epic and this new rivalry that they are set to commence is going to be very, very epic as well. I have no doubts about that. So, But what WWE needs to make sure of is that they continue to put out good content all over the show, not just on one rivalry, not just on Braun Strowman. You know, look at SmackDown. And I'm talking about this, 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 this message is to Raw, not just WWE, just to Raw in particular, because Raw has this weird tendency to only put in all their chips into like one or two programs and everything else is for naught. 
Whereas SmackDown is actually putting importance into multiple things. I mean, you see Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, they're going to get a, they've gotten a lot of time. Um, the New Day has gotten a lot of time. The Bar has not, which needs to change because especially given the fact that they're the champs. But Becky Lynch was getting an incredible amount of time. Charlotte is now getting an incredible amount of time. Um, for a while, a couple of months ago, Rusev and Aiden English were getting a lot of time because of their rivalry. So, And The Miz and Shane McMahon, their interesting dichotomy that they have going on right now is getting a lot of time. So SmackDown and their creative team is really putting a lot of emphasis on different things where Monday Night Raw is just sticking to Strowman and Corbin and then sticking to Rollins and Ambrose and then everything else is to, and, and of course, Ronda, of course, and then everything else is to the wayside. Come on, WWE. I understand that SmackDown is the wrestling show and that Raw is the sports entertainment show, but because it's the entertainment show, you would think that you would put more emphasis into other storylines because there's a lot of other interesting wrestlers on your show that you could spotlight besides the ones that have just been mentioned. So come on, let's, let's do this. But Rollins and Ambrose should definitely carry out this holiday season. Um, and hopefully really re- lead us into the WrestleMania season as we get onto the road to it. And we start at the Royal Rumble in Phoenix, which Boss Ross and I will be attending. We're incredibly excited about that. Incredibly excited. The plan is to be able to bring a podcast directly after we leave the show. Uh, we'll see if we can make that happen. But uh, we're looking forward to being able to do that. But I'm getting a little bit too ahead of myself. Um, let's talk about the match of the week. And uh, it happened not on Raw, even though they gave a lot of time to Strowman and and Elias and Balor versus Corbin, McIntyre, and Lashley, but to a match that was really driven by storyline this week. Really driven by storyline. Not saying that the in-ring action was not good, because we did see a wicked spot in this match. And I shouldn't say wicked, because it wasn't one of those crazy high-flying moves like what the 205 Live guys have been doing as of late, but I'm just, it was really, really cool. And if you watch WWE programming, in particular on SmackDown, then you might know what match I'm talking about. And yes, I am talking about Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio. Now, these guys, it was their first one-on-one match in 12 years, from what I understand. And uh, they didn't disappoint. Could it have been better? Yes. Um, Physically wise, yes. However, the entertainment entertainment portion of all this came in the storyline. Um... Randy Orton picked up the victory over Rey Mysterio after Rey Mysterio went for a baseball slide out to the to, to the to the outside of the ring under the bottom rope and Randy Orton ca- caught him with an RKO midair. It was amazing. Let me tell you something about Randy Orton and RKO. There is nobody in all of WWE, maybe all of WWE history, that has been able to master one finishing move the way that Randy Orton has mastered the the, the RKO. Stone Cold Steve Austin was fluid with the with the with the stunner. Rock, Rock was incredibly fluid with the rock bottom. Um, Shawn Michaels could be able to hit the sweet chin music to anybody from any point. But there's just something about Randy Orton being able to hit RKO from literally and again pun intended on this one out of nowhere, and it's incredible to see. I mean, we've seen Randy Orton hit Stolf Ziggler with a RKO from where he was in a powerbomb seated position. We have seen obviously the very, very famous RKO from Randy to Evan Bourne in the middle of the shooting star press. Um, we have seen him 
drop Neville from a ladder onto an RKO. We have seen um, CM Punk fly in midair from the top rope and get dropped with an RKO. Um, oh, we have seen Randy Orton reverse an uh, attitude adjustment from John Cena into an RKO. We have seen Randy Orton drop The Undertaker with an RKO from the choke slam position. I mean, I could go on and on. And Randy Orton just hits RKO. Oh, of course, how could I forget the two times that he RKO'd Seth Rollins? Once at WrestleMania 31 when he went for the curb stomp and then shot him up in the air and dropped him with the RKO. And then, of course, um, in their build to their steel cage match the next month, he went ahead and dropped Seth Rollins from the top rope. As in, he pulled his leg and then dropped him with an RKO on his way down. I mean, again, you just can't make this stuff up, people. Randy Orton and RKO are a thing of beauty, the way that they make it happen, that he makes that happen is just absolutely incredible. And it is uh, just a pleasure to be able to see that each and every week. Um, and again, him versus Rey Mysterio was no disappointment. Um, after he hit the RKO on the outside, he brought him back into the ring, hit him with one more RKO and pinned him. After the match, he went ahead and took the chair from the timekeeper area and wrapped it around Rey Mysterio's neck and then threw him into the ring post. At that point, Randy Orton then removed Rey Mysterio's mask, um, which is incredibly disrespectful to a luchador, to a lucha libre star such as Rey Mysterio. And it's just really interesting to see that Randy Orton really is getting his legend killer legend killer character back um and he's become very very sinister especially ever since he turned heel on jeff hardy a few months back so um this will be a really really interesting story as this progresses um randy orton versus Rey mysterio and as randy orton continues to be the second biggest heel on smackdown because clearly the biggest heel on smackdown is daniel bryan and the w uh, as the wwe champion like, there is no way fans are butts about it. Daniel Bryan is the biggest heel on SmackDown, but Randy Orton is definitely number two. Um, and again, that is my match of the week, um, was Rey Mysterio versus Randy Orton. Segment of the week, um, with the amount of time that they gave to it, with the amount of progression that we have seen from it, especially on Monday night, I gotta go with Rollins and Ambrose. Gotta go with Rollins and Ambrose. Again, they are going about their story so differently than the first time that they did it, and, um... There's a lot more aggressiveness uh, involved in this. And the reason why I say that is because Rollins was running away from Ambrose so much in their first feud. And now Ambrose is such a more intense heel than what Rollins was. He's not chicken crap, if you will. He is an intense heel. Um, again, Dean Ambrose is to Randy Orton what Brock Lesnar is to Daniel Bryan on SmackDown. Heel, heel number one is definitely Brock Lesnar on Raw. Heel number two is definitely Dean Ambrose, and it's not even close to whoever is the next heel next to Ambrose. Ambrose is so far above them, it's not even funny. When Brock Lesnar loses the Universal title and he goes back to the UFC, Dean Ambrose is going to be the biggest heel on, on Raw. Um, and th th again, so their segment, I mean, they had two full-on different segments on Monday night. Um, they had the segment after the match, uh, after the six-man tag elimination match, um, and then they closed out the show. Um, Tina Ambrose went ahead and hit Seth Rollins with two dirty deeds after R Rollins finally found him, and they were fighting in the crowd. Um, again, so they basically got 30 to 40 minutes given to their feud on Monday night. If that doesn't tell you 
that is a big deal. I don't know what will. So Rollins and Ambrose, to me, my segment of the week. However, my show of the week was not Monday Night Raw. I'm sticking to SmackDown, guys. I'm sticking to SmackDown because not only did we have the match of the week there, but again, we had the great Daniel Bryan promo. Um, We also had a really, really strong opening segment to open the show on SmackDown where Charlotte was talking about um, why she beat the snot out of Ronda Rousey. Um, And then we had Paige come out and fine her $100,000, even though she appreciated the fact that she beat the snot out of Rousey. That was really interesting. I don't know why you would appreciate it, but then have to find them either... Paige turns heel or you keep her baby face. Stop doing this whole thing that you do with Stephanie McMahon, WWE. You, you're you just making her Stephanie McMahon Jr. and it's a little bit irritating. It is what it is. But anyways, that was a great opener. Um, I can't tell if Charlotte's a heel yet, even though that is clearly what we saw um, at Survivor Series. Um, it, it, it's really interesting because she cut a heel promo, but when the Iconics came out to challenge her, she was basically the babyface in that match. And I shouldn't say that match. I should say both of the matches, because if you didn't see SmackDown, then you missed the fact that not only did Charlotte beat the crap out of Billy Kay and beat her one, two, three, but then she beat the crap out of Peyton Royce and beat her one, two, three. So she had actually had, um, two matches and not just one. Um, I can't tell if she's a heel or not. I mean, based off her actions at survivor series, you would think that her, and Becky Lynch are going to be the two mega heels in the women's division, which I don't know how that's going to pan out. Um, given the fact that we just saw them feuding, does I mean does that mean that they're going to come together? I don't know. I, however, I will tell you this: there was a very interesting picture that made its rounds on social media over the weekend, and it was on Bailey's Instagram, and it was Bailey, Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte all together holding up one particular sign yes ladies and gentlemen they were holding up the four horsemen sign if you guys don't know bailey charlotte sasha and becky consider themselves the four horsewomen there's another team i shouldn't say another team but there's another squad that considers themselves the four horsemen as well and they happen to all now be under the ww umbrella and that means that i'm talking about ronda rousey uh, Jessica Duke, Marina Schaefer, and of course the NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler. They consider themselves the Four Horse Women as well. We already saw um, Ronda versus Charlotte at Survivor Series, and uh, we also were supposed to get Ronda versus Becky. So it'll be really, really interesting to see if we get the Four Horse Women of WWE versus the Four Horse Women of MMA. Um, and so. Anyways, I just need to go ahead and go on that quick tangent to just make you aware of it. But yeah, we just saw a lot more things that were made of importance to SmackDown um, than they were on Raw. So that, to me, is the reason why SmackDown of my show of the week. That's not even including the fact that there was a great Miz TV segment between Miz and Shane McMahon, where Miz is trying to go ahead and be really great friends with Shane McMahon. I don't know what that's leading towards. I don't know if that's him wanting to get Shane in his back pocket and then turn on Shane, or if this is a a possible uh, start of a Miz babyface turn. That'll be really, really interesting, considering the fact that we just saw Daniel Bryan heal. So that means SmackDown needs another new babyface of all the people to do it, Miz could be a person to be able to pull it off. Who knows? Who knows? He's had one heel, I'm sorry, one face run in the past, and it was not very, very good. Um, however, Miz is a lot more over now than he was when he first did his face run. 
So it'll be really interesting to see. But again, my show of the week, SmackDown. Match of the week, Orton versus Mysterio. Segment of the week, um, Rollins and Ambrose. And uh, yeah. Now, unfortunately, with it being Thanksgiving, I have not been able to watch all of uh, 205 Live or NXT. I know that on NXT, there was a really, really strong match between Candice LeRae and Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross won that match. Um, it was very interesting to see those two in the, together in the ring, given the fact that Nikki Cross was the one that made Aleister Black aware that it was Johnny Gargano who attacked him, and uh, Candice LeRae is Johnny Gargano's wife. Um, so that was very, very interesting to see. Um, we'll see if um, Candice LeRae turns heel at some point and joins her husband on the dark side, or if she stays a babyface. I'm not sure how they're going to go about that. Um, but uh, that was that was the main event of NXT, and um, from what I understand, uh, EC3 also cut a promo that he plans to be a new man next week on NXT. Not sure what that's all about. But NXT is already maybe thinking about changing up his character a little bit. Not sure what we should be seeing there, but uh, always nice to see them try and make something different, and hopefully it's a positive different for all their wrestlers. And on 205 Live, the main event was uh, TJ Perkins, TJP versus Grand Metalik, and uh, I cannot remember who won that match. Let me look that up for you guys as I continue to speak here. Um... But yeah, we saw a very, very good match between the two of them. Grand Metalik is one of those guys that can just flat out go with anybody on the roster. TJP, uh, you know, TJP, I I mean, he was great in the Cruiserweight Classic. And Ross and I have discussed this in the past. But I feel like he's, and, and it's not just him. It's the whole Cruiserweight roster. WWE's kind of toned him down. However, ever since Triple H took over, you know, the Cruiserweights have been back to more high-flying, great matches between themselves. And TJP has kind of stepped it back up and whatnot. And uh, let me, I'll tell you here, who won that match. It was, I want to say it was Grand Metalik. Yes, he did. However, after the match, um, Mike Canales came and started being the snot out of uh, Grand Malik, as well as the remainder of the Lucha House Party. That is Kalisto and Lince Dorado. Um, so him and TJP were, it looks like, are headed to be a tag team and who will be facing Lucha House Party um, in the near future here. So, uh but I haven't been able to fully, fully watch the two shows, unfortunately. Um, but I will get a chance to do so. Um, but again, I'm not going to record another podcast and tell you all about that. So um, it'll be something to just for me to watch. Um, but from what I understand, 205 Live uh, was another strong show this week. Uh, which has been the case for most weeks ever since Triple H took over. So good on Triple H and good on WWE for really putting an emphasis on 205 Live because there's a lot of great wrestlers on that program who can go with anybody in the ring, anywhere all over the world. And it's nice to see that they're really getting um, their act together with that. And NXT, well, we all know what NXT is. That's one of the, it, it is the, it's the better program of WWE at the moment. And it's not even close. I mean, we saw what happened at Tech, TakeOver 2. I'm sorry, TakeOver War Games 2. It was incredible. Every single one of those matches was awesome. 
Baszler versus Kyrie Zane, Gargano and Black, Ciampa and Dream, the War Games match in itself. Everything was awesome. Great storytelling, great promo work all over the world, all over the place. And uh, yeah, NXT is, it, you know, I don't, I don't need to go into NXT being amazing um, because that is clearly the case. But um, yeah, with that being said, I think that's a show. I think that is a show. Um, mind you, Boss Ross is expected to be back on the podcast next week. Um, so the dual, the dynamic dual will be at it once again. Looking forward to that. Um, it's been a very interesting take being able to do the podcast by myself. Um, I liked it, yes, but uh, this is a double turn. And the double turn podcast is not complete without my my brother, my colleague, and my confidant in Boss Ross being on the show. So my brother, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, I know that he'll probably be listening to this to this podcast, and I uh, hope I made you proud. And uh, look forward to seeing you next week. And uh, to everybody that's listening, uh, thank you for your continued support. Um, this this podcast is growing little by little, and it's uh, thanks to you guys. So I appreciate you all continuing to listen. We're doing our best to put out the best content that we can um, to make you be able to be entertained by the world of WWE and professional wrestling as a whole. Um, sorry that this is more of a WWE heavy show. Um, Ross and I like to discuss other things outside of WWE a lot. Um, it's just, unfortunately I didn't have a lot of time to prepare and be able to see what was going on outside of, uh, of WWE. So I do sincerely apologize about it. But once Ross is back, as long as there's good things going on outside of WWE, we will definitely discuss it. And I know Ross is looking forward to being able to bring back his minute of impact. Um, he's he always does such a great job with that so with that being said i'll let you all go thank you so much for listening this has been the double turn podcast this is the j man signing off you can catch this spot uh, podcast on spotify um soundcloud um pocket cast breaker stitcher and radio public um as well as google pod i believe you can find it on google podcast it should be one of the podcasts you can find it on and uh Thank you so much for listening. A very, very happy Thanksgiving to everybody that's listening. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Deuces. God bless. And peace.